Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout and always bringing you information for divorce during, before, after, whatever it is, and trying to bring you information and educate you. As always, it's not legal advice. And the best way to get that is to schedule a consultation. You can't get that here. This is just to get you on that path to, to kind of plan some questions that you're going to ask your attorneys, especially here at Cordell and Cordell. You can do that by going to the website, CordellCordell.com. You can schedule a consult right there. You don't even need to pick up the phone. But if you do, you can call 866-DADS-LAW. But go to CordellCordell.com. You get more information about the availability, where you are around the country, put in your zip code. It'll tell you exactly where an office is located near you. And today, I'm fortunate enough to be joined from two of our California lawyers, Ariel and Gretel. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Good Good morning. Well, we're going to talk about something that is always a hot topic, whether you're in a divorce, it's potentially a divorce, post-divorce, and that is restraining orders. We've talked a lot about that over the years, about the inflammatory nature of it. Uh, it is, I will say, that I've always said to me, especially I'm licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia, it's some of the most abused provisions in you know the statutes here in Missouri, and that the, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of the level uh, of proof. And I always say that from a judge's perspective, they don't want to be in the news. And they tend to take the easy route, the safest route when it comes to restraining orders. They don't want to be a risk taker, make a decision where there's no restraining order entered, and then something terrible happens. And now the judge's face is plastered on the news. So you have to take it from that perspective. There are some automatic entries, things we'll talk a little bit and some ways to avoid. We want to put you through some scenarios, give you some ideas. And that's what this really is about, is to kind of give you uh, some ideas of where you are and what you could be facing and the steps that you might want to consider taking. Again, don't want to give you some advice. So let's talk about what a restraining order is. I'm going to flip it to you both and whoever wants to take that. What is a restraining order? Maybe called something different in uh, your state or city, but what is it in California? In California, we have, uh, we have, several different types of restraining orders. We have a temporary uh, domestic violence restraining order. We have a civil harassment restraining order. We have elder abuse uh, restraining orders. But we're going to focus mostly on the domestic violence restraining order, which is between two romantic partners or somebody who has a familial relationship. That could be a parent-child relationship, a uh, grandparent-grandchild relationship, or a spouse relationship. Um, As it pertains to divorce, Restraining orders, as you said, uh, Scott, they're often used to as a tactic in divorce to get one party out or to gain an advantage over another in um, child custody procedures. So one thing that Ariel and I see a lot in California is that when somebody's getting ready to get divorced, emotions get high. Somebody t- makes some nasty text messages. There's some argument going on and suddenly we're slapped with a temporary restraining order and you're removed from that. Yeah, it is one, I think, and I, I want your opinion, Ariel, it is clearly done to get an advantage in a case. Power position, control of the house, control of the kids, really just, and it, and it can be, and, it's, and that's why it's so important to talk about it. What's your thoughts, Ariel? 
Yeah, I mean, you can also in California, not so much in Massachusetts, but in, in California, it can affect spousal support. I mean, Gretel can go more into that too, but it, it can impact cases in completely. So yeah. custody will be impacted. You immediately aren't able to see your kids in California for at least a year. You're going to have supervised visitation. Supervised is a way to go because at least then they can write reports and document what's going on and see that your kids are not scared of you. So that can be helpful. But it's kind of like a kiss of death in a, a custody case. At least I think it is. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you can really be careful. No doubt. Custody for right. me, even in Missouri, um, you're going to get in court within 30 days from a what we call a temporary adult abuse, what they call an ex parte order of protection here in Missouri, uh, where you won't see your kids. Now, moving forward, the if it's entered, you're probably likely not going to see them as often as you want. And we're going to talk a little bit about that situation, about you know what happens and moving out and all those things. But it is, to me, an order, an actual full order can be very harmful to your custody case. Absolutely. And in California, we actually, if a court makes a finding of abuse, so after that temporary order, like you said, in California, um, the hearing on a restraining order could be anywhere from two weeks. Uh, typically, it's set two weeks from the date of the restraining order, the initial temporary order. But if a court makes a finding of abuse, um, that can actually affect custody for a very long time. Yeah. You may not have legal custody of your children. You may lose that right. Um, as Ariel said, you may only have supervised visits. Sometimes you can get uh, unsupervised, but it is not an easy task. And it's it's an uphill battle that we would like our clients to avoid if we can. And, you know, and there are times when a restraining order is definitely warranted. So, but uh, many times we find that a restraining order might not be needed. It's mm -hmm. just because emotions are so high and the law is how it is to protect people. Um, it really can affect everyone's lives in a very and, negative way. And there are ways to handle it. I, I mean, as you suggest, mm -hmm. there are instances where there is physical violence, emotional Absolutely. violence, whatever it may be. But it's the answer, or at least when we're representing perhaps the we'll, we'll use the person, the, RA, the restraining orders against. I don't want to use the word perpetrator, but the point is, is that it's maybe there's a solution outside of it. For, for example, in Missouri, there's a solution for us to not enter a restraining order and to incorporate some stay away terms in a temporary motion that don't have that weight, right? I mean, I don't know if that's available to you all uh, where you practice. So it's very county specific where we practice in California. Um, some counties will let us, we have, when a restraining order is issued, it's a um, it's entered into the CLET system. That's the California Law Enforcement uh, Tracking System. And so we try to negotiate sometimes a non, we can't call them non-flex restraining orders because that doesn't exist anymore in California. What we do try to do is negotiate something um, with mutual conduct orders, trying to just keep people peaceful. And we will incorporate that sometimes into a custody agreement or into an exclusive use of the residence agreement um, to kind of keep emotions down, but then keep everything out of that domestic violence restraining order realm yeah yeah we both parties agree mutually agree to not harass molest or disturb the other's peace stay away you know within 100 right. feet whatever it may be i mean that's something we'll do often if we can't beat the restraining order yeah that's the best way to do it if you have someone who's earning way more than another person and they don't want to risk their job and at the end of the day this person wants support so you, the first argument i'll say is hey the second this restraining order goes into effect Good luck getting any spouse support for my client or child support. You're going to be left with nothing. 
So we should probably do, we'll have an agreement that you both won't harass each other and call it a day because it's going to have a more significant impact than this person even usually realizes. They have no idea. They just want custody. They want this. They want that. They don't understand. It's going to really impact their ability to keep a job and get a job in the future. Yeah. One of the things we wanted to focus on today and talk about was how to avoid getting one in the first place. Because that's where this is, you know, restraining orders are bad. We don't want them. So how do we stop? How do we prevent ourselves from getting to the point where that is on the table, even being discussed? Yeah. So, I mean, they're asking the question, how do I know it's coming? You know, and so that I can avoid it. So what what are we looking for here? Well, I and and Ariel, please feel free to chime in as well. I, I think when we see a lot of text messages back and forth angry, emotional text messages. And a lot of times it's coming from both parties. There's usually one party who's a little bit more aggressive on those text messages than the other. Um, they're just really putting down the other party, maybe their parenting ability. You start to see this pattern where the the anger and the emotion um, from the separation or whatever they're disputing is just building and building. And it's about to explode. And you can see that coming in the text messages and emails in their communication. That's where you need to take a step back and say, wait a second, where, what am I doing here? And remove yourself from that emotion for a moment. And before you hit that send button, just yeah. just don't delete it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that um, I know I say to my clients often is, if you feel like you're going to write something, if you feel angry and you are responding to something, write it out, don't write it in the same text thread, and make sure that their phone number is not listed in the text. And then delete it. Yep. Delete it the next day, sleep on it. Or if you have a network of friends around you, designate that one person that you can just send stuff to, just to get those feelings out. And then you're not you're not bringing it into your to your relationship. Right. Whether it be a you know a therapist, something like that. Um, just to keep that. To, to help temper that, that those emotions, because especially in a divorce, emotions are high. Yeah. I mean, you talk about text messages and not sending. It's always, you know, I wish there was an app that, you know, especially if you're drinking or late at night, it, it prevented you from doing something stupid for many, <laughs> many reasons, right? That makes you have a, have to have like an enter a complicated math formula before you can send something. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, recording, I mean, there's always these things where, Oh, you're hurting me and they're audio recordings or I'm afraid of you. And these are words that have never been said, you know, mm-hmm. or you're hurting me, you're hitting me and, and you're maybe just standing 15 feet away. And they're now, can you record in California without the other party's consent? Uh, you can hear as long as you're a party to the conversation, you don't have to get consent. You can conceal it even. You just can't attach it to a physical recording device in the wall or on the phone, landline, those types of things. You have to have consent. You need to let the other party know this. They can't just start recording. We're going to use that in court where it's not going to help you. Um, maybe in, as impeachment evidence, you might be able to somehow or another get it in. But it's it's not the best practice. Let's just put it that way. Um, and it would be something that you know, if there is a history where if you see it building up, where one party is starting to say, oh, you're hitting me, you're hitting me. Oh, ouch, ouch, it hurts, right? right? Well, at that point, then that's where we would generally, I would personally generally say, look, I understand that you have children. It's not a good thing to 
you, you don't want to leave them. However, at this point, maybe this is time for a move out because that restraining order is on its way. They're building mm-hmm. their case against you. And so, again, it's not the best thing to do in a cust- when you have children, but if it's between getting a restraining order and not, I would say you move out when that restraining order is, when you see it coming down the pipeline. When, yeah. when that person is saying, ouch, you're hurting me, stop hitting me, or I can't believe you just broke my whatever it is, that's when it's time to, to truly make that break and, and get away and find a safe place because it's not going to be healthy for you, your children, or your spouse Right at that point. I did have a case where um, she kept saying she was taking a video in the kitchen. The kids were not around somewhere upstairs in their room. She was in the kitchen. He's on the couch. She's recording. You're hitting me. You're hurting me. Ow, stop that. He takes out his phone. He starts recording her doing it. I'm recording you. And so we ended up getting rid of the restraining order that way. She had bruised pictures, you name it. And that became helpful. But I mean, look, it's not healthy. You don't really want to be doing that. But if, if you if need be, if you need to present something like that to defend yourself, you should. Yep. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But So um, security cameras recording. I, I, I asked that question because I had a client. Um, he was in the driveway and his wife was assaulting him. She then claimed in an order of protection that he assaulted her. And in this video, this those, those like blink or nest cameras picked up the entire interaction. And it clearly showed that she was hitting him over the head and he didn't touch her. He just kept standing there. Uh, and we use that as evidence that can you do the same? Is that Ab- legal in California? Absolutely. And actually that can be some of our best evidence. You cannot just put the ring camera or the nest camera up and not tell your significant other. You need to make sure that they know that they have access to those cameras. Um, because otherwise, you know, the, the, accuse of spying on your spouse. But um, absolutely, those ring cameras, um, we, we can use those um, in the video. Um, make sure that you do have access to the video. And if something like that does happen, where you are the, you are the one being um, harmed, um, and you know that the significant other also has that access, get in there and save that video before they delete it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. and download it somewhere. Save it on multiple multiple devices and and, and in the cloud. Yeah, and, and make sure your the, lawyer gets it. We, you know, we <laughs> talk about. I mean, you know, it's it's nice to have this, but it's probably key to avoid the entire idea to begin with. You know, we talk Absolutely. about in our ten stupidest mistakes is kind of avoid conflict at all costs. You know, you're not going to win. I mean, if you're divorcing, you're not going to win an argument anyway. It's just never going to happen. So don't engage, right? I mean, it's kind of one of those things is just avoid the confrontation entirely. And what are some things that, you know, they should consider doing? Walking away, getting out? What What do you think that they should be thinking about? I think, you know, definitely walking away. If somebody starts to confront you, peacefully saying, this isn't a good time for me to discuss this, and walking away yeah. um, is, always a, is always a great tactic. If that doesn't work, then, you know, and, and it just continues to escalate. And that person is maybe is acting as an aggressor, but they're trying to just go, right? They're trying to really get you into um, into a frenzy to, so that you snap. Maybe that's the time where you say, okay, maybe this is this might be emotional abuse to me. Um, let me remove myself from this situation. Maybe not move out of the house, but move into a different bedroom. Um, 
find find a space that's yours that that person can't come into. That's generally what we try to say, especially if they're still staying stay, uh, staying in the house. Move yeah. move away from that person as much as possible. Separate yourself. There's a lot of good co-parenting apps out there that actually do have tone policy of uh, like policing. For example, um, our family wizard. Um, talking parents there's a ton of them out there yeah um that are excellent communication um assistants that can help especially in the middle of of, of an early separation when emotions are high and i would recommend maybe downloading one of those apps and trying to convince your significant other to use one as well to keep that face-to-face communication as little as possible because i think Amen. once you're face-to-face that's where it explodes you mentioned parenting obviously <clears throat> When we talk about violence, arguments, whatever it may be, the a whole different level when you're involved with kids who are home mm-hmm. who can hear it, and no matter what their age, right? I mean, that's a whole never another level of consideration, right? Absolutely, and you know, hearing violence can be considered, you know, abuse of the children, yeah. um, and so you don't want your kids to hear that. We don't want to see that happen. So again, making sure that you're avoiding that conflict for right now. Another thing that I always suggest is that when you're in the process of a separation, finding your your network, your team, a therapist, a good group of friends, somebody that you can talk to and talk out those feelings with, so that when you come home um, to you know your your separated spouse or parent, what significant other, you're not taking that those feelings out on them. And finding somebody that really can help you filter that, finding maybe a new hobby, <laughs> even yeah. to to filter out that that those feelings that you're having right now. So, Ariel, question for you. Let's just assume for the moment we have somebody watching. He's the one that, or you know, engaged in violence. He he did. He lost control. He lost his, his temper for the moment. You know, what are the things that he should be considered doing after the fact? Obviously, first, obviously consult with your lawyer, but I mean, some of the things, what should they be thinking about? Okay. Now what do I do? I did. I, I, I yelled, I struck her, I threw something at her, whatever it may be. What should they be thinking? Yeah. Get into weekly therapy. I don't care if you think you need it or you don't just get in there, start documenting that you're going, go regularly, take anger management classes, take parenting classes, um, start to reflect on what you could have done better because the judges want to see remorse and they want to see why if you go in there and say, well, you know, I did this, but it's fine. They're, it's not acceptable. You need to say, I, here's what went wrong and here's how I fixed it. So you need a path going forward and you need to figure out how do I avoid those trigger events? Because someone will antagonize you yeah. and it may happen again. Yeah, it's much like alcohol. I've got clients who, you know, abuse alcohol and I'm putting them right into treatment. Go to, you know, AA, let's get you into therapy. There's no shame in in getting to those things. So let's figure out the, what the problem is. And I've always said, you know, divorce law representing guys particularly is about appearance and presentation. You know, how do you appear before the judge? And look, yes, I did this, but here's what I'm doing now to be better. And, you know, they've seen it all, but it's all about owning up and taking responsibility for action. And yes, is that an excuse for what happened? No. But is it a um, step forward to reconciliation? Yes. And making, you know, making sure it doesn't happen. I think it's so key. Is, but, you know, consult with your lawyer, obviously, first. Make the right moves and choices, not on emotion, but certainly there's no shame in anger management, therapy, figuring out what led to this, why, you know, maybe she shouldn't be doing the same thing, right? And um, we just did a seminar with a 
marital counselor that I found so intriguing about the dynamics between the couples. It's I think it's definitely worth it. And your lawyer, you know, when you look at your license, it says attorney and counselor in law in mind. I'm thinking, well, what does that really mean? And we should be counseling clients, but not from that perspective. But it makes me think about counseling being so important in this aspect as we talk about divorce and um, you certainly don't want to be in, uh, on the side of engaging in it, admitting to it, and doing nothing about it. I mean, I imagine that is the most dangerous, damaging thing you can do, right? Yeah, it's also dangerous for your kids because your kids are seeing this kind of behavior. If you've got a daughter and they're witnessing this kind of behavior, that's going to shape their entire upbringing. Yeah, I can't even yeah. tell you if you t- if you you know you're going out with people or, and you mention, oh yeah, I do divorce law or a family law. They're going to start going on and on about their parents' nasty divorce and how horrible yeah. it was. So it right. really can have a deep impact on your kids. It's just not worth it. Right. You want them to grow up in a healthy environment so it can mirror that. Yep, absolutely. So in the time we have left, let's go through some situations. I know and however you all want to handle them, I'll, I'll just give you the situation. And you guys tell me what to do, right? So the first situation is, this is good. Wife is cooking and children are in the living room. You and the wife are discussing finances and the conversation gets really heated. Sounds like a familiar scenario, right? You turn around to give her a spoon and you bump her. Grease splashes all over her. She screams and says, I'm calling the police. Sounds like a pretty common, really potential situation, especially when things aren't going well. What do you do? Who wants to take that one? I mean, what do you do in that situation? Um, You stay calm. Yeah. You don't run away. You know, if she calls the police, you you're going to have to confront that issue, right? So you, you say, generally I don't say go talk to the police, but if the police are going, they usually come in a domestic violence situation and we'll talk to um, both parties. And you, you can't explain. We were talking. We got angry. We were not angry. We were heated. And I gave her a spoon and she bumped it. You know, tell the truth. Don't embellish. And if it does result in you being removed by the police, don't speak anymore on the issue until you have an attorney, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. please <laughs> and or you you know you don't have to say anything to the police actually you can just say i'm, I'm going to not speak to you until i have an attorney present and in fact yeah. that might be even the best place um we really shouldn't be talking to the police without our attorney's present um and then you know if you are removed find an attorney when you get out you're not going to be able to go back to the home yeah. if you've been removed from the home so you need to make sure you have a place and then at that point, that's where find good legal counsel, gather your community around you and take some of the advice that Ariel just said, get into therapy. If she's going to start making allegations, possibly of alcohol abuse or substance abuse, um, get yourself into some treatment, whether it's AA, NA, or at least get your doctor to issue you some kind of an alcohol assessment. You know, to, to get you to somebody to show that maybe because maybe you don't have that problem um, or if you do, then you're going to go and get treatment right away. Um, you know, is this a domestic violence situation? I don't think so. Um, but unfortunately, this is a scenario we see often. And it's one where if we can get you early on to mitigate the, the issue, um, at least then we can maybe we can stop it. We can stop the train. And that's, that's the goal on that situation. Ariel, how would you handle it? I would start, I'd be messaging friends and family. I'd say, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened. I put it in writing and I'd say, you know, my wife, I turned around, this happened and the police are here. I can't believe this. 
And then I probably send her if there's no right, right, right when that's happening or later on, if there is no restraining order in place, I probably document it to her and say, Hey, what, what was going on with that? I, I can't believe that that happened. Um, we know that this is what happened. And I'd start documenting it so you can bring it up later in court and say, and you can have witnesses. Hey, he talked to me that night. He felt so bad. You know, he was so confused. You know, he's never done this before. We don't know what's going on. So I, I would start documenting if you have any cameras again in the house. Some people do have cameras in their kitchen, but if you're one of those people, get the video immediately, download it, figure out what's going on. So I'd start figuring out ways to get out of that because, you know, if she's nuts enough to already say I'm calling the police, if it's clearly an accident, you've got right. problems. Right. Start it, it, bring, it brings up the question that we debated off camera and that a little bit, and that is moving out of the house, getting away from the situation itself. You know, I've talked about this for 30 years, uh, uh, you know, this very question, do I move out? When do I move out? Should I move out? What happens if I move out? And I know that in California, for example, that may be something that you have to do or you should do. So what do you think? I mean, personally, me, if you feel if, if your relationship has gotten to the point where your spouse is going to call the police because, you know, you bumped into her that's not the first time that it's happened in your relationship, right? That's when it's time to say, I'm going to move out because if I do that, if I don't, I am going to get a restraining order against me or I'm going to get arrested. And now I'm going to have a big uphill battle kind of like, as I was saying, what could happen. And so, yes, I think moving out around that time when people start to make allegations, as soon as those allegations start getting thrown out, that's the time again to disengage, find a new place, and, and try to at least peacefully uncouple as much as you yeah. can at that point. Um, <clears throat> and there are ways to do that, you know, where you can de-escalate those situations. You know, she, they may, and I'm saying they, because it could be either, you know, either the husband or the wife or spouse, um, may start trying to build a case against you. Once you start feeling that that case is being built against you, that's the time to say, I'm done, We're, I'm separating. And perhaps even trying to find a couples therapist to assist you guys in in peacefully uncoupling to avoid the conflict. If you're unable to do it on your own, um, there are, you know, marriage and family therapists are a great resource. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of them right now that are available. But if you can find a good one to help you uncouple um, in these early stages so that you aren't going to be fighting. So the last scenario, uh, interesting that we have time for. You're on your wife's phone and messages from a male's number appear. You quickly realize she's been cheating on you rather than throwing the phone and hitting her with it. What do you do? Well, in this case, I actually had a case that I had adopted. I had no involvement in the restraining order hearing, but crazy enough, he he had this exact same situation and he was very close to his father-in-law, worked with his father-in-law, screenshotted it and said, hey, I think your daughter is going outside our marriage and I don't know what to do about this. I'm pretty upset. That was later on used against him to get a restraining order because he invaded her privacy. He gave this information to her father or someone else, a third party. So that's something in California that um, we need to be aware of and we need to be careful of. You don't you, you just need to take a moment, go for a walk, you know, go yeah. golf, go what you need to do and just go relax. Go talk to a mutual friend about it, but don't confront them immediately because you're going to be very upset and heated and you, you the last thing you need to do is confront this person about it and really think about your relationship talk to friends and family is this something i want to work through is this something 
you know, what should I do with this information? Because at that point, the trust has been gone. So you need to figure out if it's worth moving forward in your relationship or not, if it's something you can move on from. But you might want to consider talking to a therapist with your wife about this because you should not be alone in the house talking about it. It could get very heated. Don't go to a public restaurant and talk about it. That's never a good idea. Right. Just just go talk maybe maybe with your pastor or your friends and family, just in a nice calm area where you right. can keep your cool. And to just, you know, Ariel, you said specifically that, um, you know, in your scenario, the client uh, gave the uh, gave a, a screenshot of the text message to her father. Don't do that. Don't confront her family and say, you know, or their family and say, oh, they're cheating on me. Look at this. They're terrible people. Right. It might feel right in the moment, but that is grounds for a restraining order. Yeah. Because you, like she said, you're invading somebody's privacy. Um, it is hard not to do that, but don't. Right. I find mean, yeah, find the, that therapist. That temptation is so strong. It's, mm-hmm. I get it. And, and, you know, I always say to clients, when you feel like you need one, say something, react to something, get up, walk out, go for a walk for a long time and scream in, you know, in a forest. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Don't say it to your spouse. And you're just going to, there's no, 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 nothing good, no matter what, nothing good comes from it at all. You're not going to advance your case. You're not going to win your case. You're not going to position yourself any better. You're only going to put yourself in a really, really difficult position and realize, you know, divorce is all about emotion. And if you can remove the emotion and treat it like a business decision where you're going to try to make a logical decision, you would think back and you'd say, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. No. Use it as evidence, what you can do, whatever it may be. But yeah, that's the key. I mean, to anything in a restraining order, it is. Restraining orders in and of itself, it's less about the action, more about the emotion that causes the action. And if you can control the emotion, then obviously then the action goes away, hopefully. Right? No. Absolutely. Ariel Gretel, thank you for bringing this to everyone's attention again. You know, restraining orders are um, such an important part of even pre-divorce, post-divorce, during divorce, whatever it may be, because it has such a great impact on every decision thereafter from a judge, from opposing counsel, to how you're viewed, your kids, your property, attorney's fees, all of it, uh, it can run the gambit. So thanks for joining us and bringing us information on that. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having us. So go to YouTube. You're going to find all of our podcasts, all of our virtual town halls, everything we've done over the last couple of years on topics that you're going to find relevant and interesting. You can go to our YouTube channel. It's there. Podcasts just like this, subscribe on Apple iTunes. You're going to get alerted every time we drop one as well. Continue to look next month for our next virtual town hall, where instead of watching it recorded, you can log in, log on live for 30 minutes and ask questions to get answers from our panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys. So until next time, have a great week.